Hello, I'm John Eldridge, and welcome to the Ransomed Heart audio podcast. For more information on Ransomed Heart Ministries, our resources, and events, please visit us online at www.ransomedheart.com. So, John, you mentioned something about Blaine's car. What was that? What Uh, happened? I am so, I am so mad and sad for him. Blaine doesn't have a lot of possessions in this world, partly out of choice and partly out of income. You know, he teaches in a middle school part-time. He lives in a fairly impoverished area of Spokane. And frankly, he just doesn't care about things. Yeah. I think he has like five possessions. <laughs> you know, he drives a old Toyota Tacoma that has more than 200,000 miles on it. He owns a bicycle, he, you know, uh-huh. but he does actually have a weak spot. He actually does have one possession and it's his climbing gear. Blaine's a phenomenal rock climber and it's something that he and I have enjoyed together for years and now he loves taking other people into. He loves teaching people the joy of that. And so he has It's called a rack. It's all of the different gear that you need to ascend a very large rock wall, Mm -hmm. different pieces of nuts and cams and stoppers and that kind of thing. Um, One piece of this equipment, you know, can run $85, just one cam. Anyway, it was all stolen Mm. from his car. Broad daylight, downtown, somebody smashed his window, the passenger window of the cab, and took the backpack that had every piece. Mm. Mm. And part of the blow is the memories. We built that. Actually, a lot of it's mine Mm -hmm. entrusted to him, you know, from my climbing life as a young man and then stuff that we built together over time and birthday presents and Christmas presents. And so part of it is just the memories. The other part of it is it's more than $2,000 of equipment for a young guy who doesn't have the means to replace that. And it just it just felt evil, you know? It just felt like a direct blow to his mm. heart. And it got me thinking again about thievery mm. and the things that the enemy has just stolen from the church, you know, like the heart is good, mm-hmm. that the redemptive work of Jesus Christ accomplished in his cross, resurrection, ascension actually reaches the human heart, that you have a hope of holiness, like you have a hope of getting rid of that rage, that chemical addiction, that adultery, lust, like that is a treasure, oh my goodness, or the treasure of Sabbath, (laughs) that God, God provided for our restoration once a week and That's been stolen from us in so many ways. And what we're trying to lay out here in this series also, that belief in, a hope in, an expectation of, like actually real, very practical, tangible expectation of the return of Jesus Mm -hmm. is actually a treasure Mm -hmm. that's been stolen from us. And so welcome back, friends, to the Ransomed Heart podcast John Eldridge and Craig McConnell in part two of a series on Jesus coming back and believing that it's actually soon, it's near, and 
that that feels core to the scriptures and crucial to our hearts and our lives. Yeah, John, I know that feeling of having something stolen and just how something enters in that just can kind of taint your heart and bring cynicism to you. And it seems really fight and battle for hope. Yeah. I mean, hope is just huge here, the hope of something good, the hope of something in the future. Yeah. Now, for you, your family, I mean, one of the hopes you have is not this summer, your vacation, you have a pretty time coming up. Okay. This is a really good example. This is a really good example of the power of hope. Yeah. So we are. We are going to the UK. We're taking our adult children and our new daughter-in-law and the family is going to Ireland and Scotland. And part of what we're doing is kind of this visiting some of these ancient Christian sites that were so crucial to the development of Christianity and in the West. And yeah, joy, hope, time together, Hmm. family time, looking forward to it. And what I'm struck by is when you have something that you're looking forward to, it puts a spring in your step, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, and you just start making plans and you kind of daydream a little about about what you're going to do, right? Looking up little stone cottages to stay in and thinking about mm-hmm. some of the music that we look forward to hearing. And then these really amazing places, Skellig Michael off the coast of Ireland and Iona off the coast of Scotland, these remarkable early Christian sites and how important they were. Yeah, right. You daydream a little. And what's amazing to me, Craig, is daydream a little about the coming of Jesus, like what that's going to bring for you. What is it that you're looking forward to? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lori and I watched a movie the other night and, oh, I got ambushed by it and the course of the movie, I just realized how um, totally unfathered I have been and just not knowing anything that would resemble a father's love or affection or validation. Mm. So there's this, what do I hope for? I hope for a day when I'm reunited with my father and where I'm with the father in some intimacy and some just clear son and father time that I've never known, yearn for, long for. I look forward to the day where I'm not sick, cancer's gone, where um, I can lay on the beach, just soak in the sun, that umbrella and SPF 5000 shirts, black socks and wingtips on, and just frolic in the sun Mm. and not have pain and or blood and bone marrow work and oh I long to be free from so many of the things that entangle my life and I long to have the marriage and the family that I have an awful lot here and now but I know there's more Mm. uninterrupted intimacy exactly on a level I yearn for. Yeah. Those are some hopes. Yeah. With all the time to enjoy it. 
Oh, yes. That's the thing about joy for me on this earth is that I always feel the clock ticking. Whatever it may be. It may even be the most intimate time of worship with God. But still, the clock's ticking. Mm. I mean, at some point, you got to go. Yeah. You know, you, you got to go meet someone or you got to go to bed or, you know, you got to go have dinner. Um, I'm looking forward to being in nature without the clock ticking. Mm. So much of my joy comes from waterfalls and open meadows and the beauty, the beauty of the earth. But the clock's always ticking, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You, you know, we are going to go on this vacation and I pray that it will be good, but I'm already aware of it's, you it's know. two weeks. Yeah. And then it's over. <laughs> That's it. You know, and then we all say goodbye and they go back to living states away. And I'm looking forward to joy without the clock ticking. Mm -hmm. I am so looking forward to the war being over. Yes. I've heard some pretty horrendous stories being a counselor. And, oh, my gosh, the things that have been done to boys and girls, the things that continue to be done on the earth, terrorism, genocide, slavery, but also just my own battles. Like, oh, gosh. You know, that no spiritual warfare, none of that heinous evil mm -hmm. that we have to fight on a pretty regular basis. It's what a joy that will be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Friends, where do your hopes go as you think about the life you have longed for is about to be yours? Mm -hmm. What are you looking forward to? We did do a series called Hoping in the Coming Kingdom, and that parallels this one in a way. And in that, we gave an exercise, and it was, what are the first three things you're going to do when you enter the kingdom of God? <laughs> and the reason that I gave the exercise, because we don't think about it. Where are you right now? You have a fascinating expression on your face. Well, I've, I'm doing two things. I, what were my three things? I'm trying to think what they were. And I remember, as I am right now, just being overwhelmed with there's just this generic long list of things I would do that I've never articulated or put to words. You know, what are the first things yes. I would do? Yes. I have this picture I've had a lot of my adult Christian life that pretty quickly on my arrival in the presence of God, there's going to just be this Jesus and I hugging. And as we are fully embraced in this just tight hug, off in the background are people who are rejoicing, maybe at a banquet table and singing and laughing. And in the midst of our hug, we both glance over there and see all these people, and Christ says to me, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yes. So that's a picture I have of one of the first things I'm going to do, just embrace him yeah. and yeah. hear something from him. And hear something from him. I'm thinking of the joy of all misunderstanding between me and Jesus. Mm -hmm. I know I'm not alone in this, but 
man, a lot of stuff gets in the way hmm. in this life. I, various times I feel like I'm a disappointment to him or I just feel like I'm I'm not spending enough time with him. I don't trust him enough. I'm mm-hmm. not really fully living by faith. You know, just whatever, all that stuff. And much of it is just from hell. It's just the sulfur of the enemy getting in with accusation. But, man, all that stuff swept away. Mm-hmm. Whoa. But I was also thinking... Stacy and I are at a pretty funny place right now. So we are empty nesters, and therefore we have a lot of time together. (laughs) Our evenings are very quiet, you know, when there isn't ministry stuff going on, events, conferences, travel, battles. And we're also in our mid-50s, and I don't know if it's just the season of life, but we're kind of missing each other, you know. She'll say something from the bedroom and I won't hear it in the kitchen and, you know, or half sentences. It's just a funny time in our life and we're navigating it well. But I am really looking forward to the day that all misunderstanding is swept away between me and everyone. Like all your relationships, absolutely no misunderstanding. Not being missed. Yeah. Just the love and the joy and the connection that we long for is all that's there. That's the only thing that's present in your relationships. Yeah. Another one for me, it's a picture. It's kind of like a Corona beer picture, actually. There's just generations of friends and family sitting in beach chairs and flip-flops and kind of in some half circle that must end, but it doesn't seem like it does. And it's beautiful surf and waves, and there's actually just a lot of silence and joy and just getting up and surfing or body surfing or wading or tide pools, and it just feels like those best moments you have in a vacation, and it's usually just moments of this incredible lightness and you're fully present and true and here with your closest and best of friends and you can just have an endless conversation and hear their heart and touch their heart and enjoy their heart and it's it's just the most relational time of swapping stories, showing wounds, laughing and just having a with those you love and mean the most to you. Yeah. Friends, is this stirring expectation, hope? I mean, if that were true, just allow that to be true for a moment. Because actually, I think it is true. As Dallas Willard says, the idea of eternal life means that the life that you now have in the universe that currently exists will go on. Hmm. Right? When Jesus says, I make all things new, He doesn't obliterate our existence and put us in some cloud, you know. Uh, So Craig's describing a scene of family and friendship, intimacy, love, joy, laughter, children, men, women, all together, you know, in the beauty of a beach setting. Like that's, that's real. That's actual. That's Romans 8, that the creation is waiting to be released, 
when the sons and daughters of God are set free. And so, friends, if you believed that, can you now understand why Paul says in Romans 8 that the longer we wait, the larger we become, and the more joyful our expectancy? You know, that Peter can say, in this you greatly rejoice. Like, you just let your heart go there a little bit. I think it begins to shift us from dread and disruption to just profound hope and gratitude and rejoicing. And then you can begin to understand Maranatha, right? Yeah. Yeah, just as we're talking now, John, I mean, it's uh, whatever dread or fear. I mean, my heart's just pretty tender right now in terms of, yeah, I want that so bad, Maranatha. Come quickly, Jesus. Bring that. Yes, bring that. Craig, as you were describing that beautiful relational thing, and I think we all have people that we're looking forward to being with. You know, one of the other joys, and this one will bring me close to tears as well, one of the other joys I'm looking forward to is reconciliation. Mm. There are some people that either have wounded me or whom I have hurt that I am so looking forward to reconciliation on the other side. It wasn't available here. didn't happen in time, but oh my gosh, the forgiveness of the kingdom of God. Wow. All is forgiven. You just imagine that. Hmm. All is forgiven. Hmm. And to sweep all that out of your soul, sweep all that out of our lives. What would that be like? Friends, what we're trying to do. It feels like we're hacking our way through a jungle to get to recovering a treasure, this lost treasure of eager expectation, joyful expectancy, hope in the imminent return of Jesus. And I think one of the signs, apparently, one of the signs of the end is at the end of Revelation 22, where the church is crying out, come, come. And the fact that that's missing is something we were talking about last time and pretty bizarre. How did it happen? Let me read Pascal again. He says, nothing is so important to a person as their own life. Nothing is so formidable to them as eternity. And thus, it is not natural that there should be people indifference to the loss of their existence and to the perils of everlasting suffering. They are quite upset at all other things. They are afraid of mere trifles. They foresee them. They feel them. And this same man who spends so many days and nights in rage and despair Air at the loss of a job or some imaginary insult to his honor is the very one who knows without anxiety and without emotion that he will lose everything by death. 
It is a monstrous thing to see in the same heart and at the same time this sensibility to trifles and this strange insensibility to the greatest objects. It is an incomprehensible enchantment, a supernatural slumber. I want to suggest that this silence in so much of the church, not totally, not completely, but just in most Christians' lives, this kind of absence of a conversation, expectancy, dreams, hopes about the return of Christ, I think it is exactly that. I think it's like this supernatural enchantment. It's like a spell that's been cast upon the earth that, I mean, Craig, look at how much you have shifted from dread mm-hmm. at the return of Jesus to now hope. Oh, yeah. Just what we're talking about is the life we've always wanted being fulfilled. Yes. Everything we've longed for and were created for is yes. ours and more. Yes. You feel that, and it's no longer a theological topic. It's no longer a headline coming in the news. It's the brightest, greatest joy, the party that is yet to come. And I have an invitation, too, and I can't wait. Mm. Mm. And what that frees your heart from. I'm going to be honest. One of the things the enemy has tried to torment me with is the possible death of our children. Mm. And I'm just confessing one of my battles. And it doesn't happen often, but particularly in moments of intense warfare and, and ministry, you know, haunts me with that. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about the return of Christ and the hope in the coming kingdom is, so, actually, that can't happen. Mm-hmm. We will never be separated. Mm-hmm. We have a shared life forever in eternity. Like, this is real. I'm not talking about theological speculation. I'm saying, no, actually, that can't be taken from me. Sorry. Jerk, right? Like, this disarms so much fear mm-hmm. and anxiety about, oh, but what if, what if we don't fill in the blank? Yeah. What if we don't have that special time together this summer? What if the UK trip doesn't happen? Oh, what if we, all of those things, right? What if we can't stop this infection and, and it does take, you know, our mom prematurely? What if all that? All that stuff. Do you realize mm-hmm. that this just disarms all of that? Mm-hmm. Like this is a lost treasure. Yeah. And in this act, John, it's inevitable that every one of us experiences that loss, that thievery, things broken, things never achieved. And that is the reality of Act 3. So it's not a hypothetical. No, it's not. But the longings are still there. And so Mm -hmm. what do you do with the longings, Mm -hmm. right? This is the hope of the return of Jesus is that all things shall be made right. Remembering one of the famous lines from Julian of Norwich when she said, all things shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. Yes. Just the simplest idea in the world. But you let that into your heart for a day. You're going to be a pretty happy person. Yes. <laughs> and, and in some ways, untouchable. Yes. In some ways, like the early Christians were to the Roman government. It's like, so? Mm-hmm. 
You can't take my life. What can you do to me? And nothing. You can't. Like, I'm good forever. Mm -hmm. Like, you lost. You lost. It's already over. You have already lost. And all the evil, malice, all of that. Like, nope. Like, the life I long for and the life that I hope to have is guaranteed. Mm -hmm. It's done. Done deal. Can't be taken from me. Absolutely, totally assured. And what that frees your heart from. And I think this is what Paul meant when he said in Colossians 1, you know, we're thanking God for you because we've heard about your faith and your love, the faith and the love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in the kingdom of heaven. Like, yeah, baby, you you tap into a little bit of that hope, <laughs> faith and love, they just begin to happen. Bring it. <laughs> right? Maranatha. <laughs> exactly. Come. Come, Jesus. <laughs> so I just want to say, what is with this pushback? What is with this, this supernatural slumber spell? What did Pascal call it? He called it an incomprehensible enchantment. Like, break the spell, Father. Hmm. Break the spell, Jesus. I think this is what Paul was asking for in Ephesians chapter 1 when he prays for us. And after laying out these wonderful hopes, he says, For this reason, I have not stopped praying for you. And I am praying that the eyes of your heart may be opened, enlightened, revelation given to the eyes of your heart in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The hope of Christianity is not that you get your marriage fixed. Not primarily. I mean, I think there is hope for that. Yeah. But listen, the modern church, it's had to compete with the world on its own terms. We've had to become the best at parenting and the best at financial management and the best at addressing the needs of the elderly and the best at helping you navigate the seasons of your life. Really, like this unbelievable pressure on the church to like come through with all these answers for this temporal life, right? But Paul's saying, look, I pray that the eyes of your heart are opened so that you know the hope to which he has called you. And so, Jesus, would you do that? Mm. Would you remove the veil that's over our hearts? And break the power of whatever this false dread is that some people experience when we begin to talk about the return of Jesus? Would you remove the fear and the supernatural slumber, incomprehensible enchantment? Would you break that and restore to us the eager expectation of your return? In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Friends, you've been listening to the second in a series on the return of Christ. John Eldridge and Craig McConnell, and we invite you to stay with us in this as we continue to disarm some of the falsehood around this and recover the treasure, recover the joy. So we'll pick up with that next time. <laughs> 